Oh, man. Over the weekend, I sent Jordan a text about award shows and award show policy. And then, like, within a half hour of sending that text, I got the chills. I got the fevers. And I was in for, like, a, a weekend of, like, just horribleness. No. I don't, I don't know if I got, like, the accursed flu. I had told her that, like, um, the E! Channel, Entertainment Channel or something, Entertainment, what is it, E.T., Entertainment Tonight? They do like the red carpet things, and so they were doing the red carpet for the People's Choice Awards, and I, I felt like it was the same nauseating hosts that were doing the red carpet outside of the SAG Awards, and that's the reward reward show that I was re- referring to, and then I'm like, it's all correlated, like the red carpet triangle. Forget the Bermuda Triangle, you know, <laughs> just watching the red car wrong red carpet show, you can you know come down with an illness, attack of the virtual flu i was actually thinking one day you might be able to transmit viruses like they might evolve could you imagine if viruses evolved to travel through like wi-fi right. connections to get people because there's like i guess there's organisms that we know that are like are evolving to eat plastics in the ocean and stuff like that but i was like oh yeah what if the cold this the new super flu is going to come right through your freaking your modem your wi-fi right. it's like <laughs> actually, wonka wonka vision yeah. but there is i mean there is um Jamie Lee Curtis is in this horror movie called Virus, which is like aliens come down through a satellite and they start building robot bodies on a ship out of like dead people. So anyway, I mean, historically that like that movie has been, I don't know, like people don't like it, but it's pretty good. Yeah. So she's in this movie called Virus and like, so these alien things, I feel like they came down with the satellites, but yeah, but then they like, are trying to take over dead bodies, but with like, uh, they're building like little electronic parts out of them. So, th- I mean, that kind of supports the theory that I was saying, right? That like viruses one day through the Wi Fi. Maybe that's where the idea comes from. Who knows? However, where my flu story deviates is I guess I have to give come. Oh, man. This story is going to be too long. So, let me do the intro. Well, anyway, I'm yours truly, Johnny Spoiler. I only spoil the movies I love. Clearly, it's a show about movies because I've already mentioned a couple. Or at least one in a, in a movie award show. Joined as always by Jordan Savage, the Savage Scream Queen herself. That's the me. accredited press even acknowledge her Scream Queeniness. It's fact. Yeah, it's out there now on the internet. Um, it's the binge watchers show. I think I'm gonna just gonna like not say the word podcast anymore. <laughs> like trying to avoid saying the word podcast. Anyway. Right after this uh, amazing theme song, The Best in the World, come back and I'll finish rambling about uh, cybernetic flus and and why it's different from other things. I don't know. We're actually here to talk about a movie. The movie of the week is a horror movie. Well, more like a slasher slash thriller. Really kind of like a crime of passion movie. Yeah. Honestly, called Sightseers. Anyway, come back, crack something open, drink it, come back and hang out with us. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast.
can't I can't think of an apocalypse word that starts with an S because I was going to be like something snuffles from hell, but I was trying to come up with an another S word and I can't think of one currently. Before we started rolling, folks, Jordan's like, "You sound a little stuffed up." I'm like, "Oh, it's worse than you know." So anyway, I was getting ready to watch the Screen Actors Guild Award. I was plugging in Jordan on that one. She reminded me what her take on obnoxious red carpet footage is, is that she will just record everything and, and do that. Yeah. Just the, 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 you know, fast forward filter on stuff. She doesn't want to have to suffer through. And, uh, yeah, so I got racked with some like pretty intense flu or whatever, like a week after, I mean, my family had had the flu, but this was like a week late. Like it was like delayed. Like they had it, they went through it. I avoided it. I mean, and I'm one of those guys, like, I do isol- I do isolation very quickly. If people are sick around me, I, I avoid them like the play. <laughs> like, you know no. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and these zombie movies where it's like, oh, your family member, and they, like, agonize for 90 minutes about whether they got to get their rid of their children or their wife or their husband. I'm like, you're out immediately. It's an <laughs> us and them situation. You're either a zombie or you're human. There is no, there is no sympathy. It's, it's an us and them situation. How Anyway, so my delayed flu kicked in. But I have this weird situation since I was like 15. I get these chronic nosebleeds, but here's where they deviate. People are like, oh, he's just whining. He's being a bitch about nosebleeds. No, man. Like my nose will bleed for 50 minutes and it'll look like a crime scene. It'll look yes. like I got a gunshot wound. There's so much blood. Like I'll go into the bathtub because I'm like, oh, it's going to be so much blood. I don't want it in the bedroom, the living room, the hallway. I don't want my DNA all over my apartment. Like as if somebody domestically killed me or something, you know? Um, I have no good reason for it. I was at a neurologist like uh, when I had it. When I had health insurance, I went to a neurologist. That was like seven years ago, and uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, there is something weird here," but they never really, um, you know, how like a doctor leaves a practice, nobody follows up. Yes, like he was like a like Russian neurologist, and he was, he's like gone. It's like I got a letter saying he left, right? But it was like there was no follow up. Anyway, so I'll get these things, and I guess like. Uh, I mean, I've always been a natural bleeder, like an easy bleeder, you know, where I don't, my blood doesn't clot easily. So, so I can have like a known, like a nonsense wound that, um, it always scares people because it's, it it looks like too much blood. So then they start to freak out. I'm like, nah, some, not a big deal. Not a big deal. However, I had like four of these ragers that were like 45 minutes, 50 minutes each, like back to back. And so I was doing so much bleeding that I was like, I was like borderline. I was like, if I go and bleed in the ER, they're going to have to do something about it, right? <laughs> like, like, it was questionable because I got like anemic. And I, and then I was like, I was telling somebody, I was like, go get me a Big Mac. Because <laughs> like, mm. the whole thing is like, uh, you know, red meat has like iron and some other stuff in it that like, if you are anemic, like you can turn things around very quickly. So my 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 self-medicating non-insurance ass, I got three junior bacon cheeseburgers from Wendy's plus a large fry and i'm like if this is my last meal like on death row then so be it sounds so good and now i just have like a you know sinus impression but um it was kind of touch and go there because i had lost enough blood to get like super lightheaded and then like uh initially i did take like some cough medicine but then i stayed off of that because it would make me bleed more right because they say like uh so it's such a delicate balance. You're like doing, <laughs> doing the bloody uh, nose cold dance. Yeah. Uh, however, I was dreaming about um, secret military bases in Antarctica called Command Console 1 and Command Console 2. 
Hmm. And they're both like nuclear redundancies or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm having like a dream about a conspiracy theory, but also it might be real. So then I was Googling, what is CC1 and CC2? Apparently they're ice core samples. I was like, holy shit. They have some kind of real life uh, relatability to Antarctica. That's just hmm. nuts. But um, yeah. So, you know, like remote viewing, you know about the CIA's remote viewing where they try to train agents to like look into events in the world that were happening. Right. I was like, just remote viewing Antarctica. Or we had just watched what? Last week we watched the finale of that True Detective, which is in Alaska. That's what I was thinking, yeah. But you know, my other thought while I was sick was like, I'm I'm gonna walk out onto the ice. <laughs> like I'm like I'm ready. It, you know, like uh it gets stupid dramatic when you're sick with the head cold. Like you start to trick yourself and like you can't trust your own thoughts. You're just like, All right, I've had a good run. This is it. <laughs> Especially when you're like having those like dayquil, nyquil induced fever dreams, you oh, know, man. and it's like yeah. in between sleep and daytime, you're like, Yeah. Where am I? You know, it's funny how like immediate things are when you're really sick. Like you don't care about like uh like your agenda, your schedule, everything just goes out the window immediately. You don't care about modern life or anything. You're oh, just yeah. like in this little like cocoon of like you're just like in this little cocoon. Like you're just like I had a hoodie on and I, I felt like I was just like drifting like the hoodie was becoming like a literal cocoon. Do you know what I mean? I was like drifting further and deeper and deeper into the hoodie. Couldn't tell you what movies I watched during that time. Obviously, the movie of the week, because I definitely watched it to get ready for the review. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, home video headlines slightly delayed because I wanted to tell a dramatic story about the flu. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Lionsgate is reportedly planning some new versions of American Psycho and The Dead Zone. If you remember, American Psycho is about a guy named Patrick Bateman, played by... Mm -hmm. This is what put Christian Bale kind of like on the radar for American audiences before Batman, right? It was like a probably a, his breakout thing with audiences over here. However, the filmmakers nor the writer of the book, uh, Bretton Easton Ellis, has ever revealed their feelings as to whether or not the murders in the movie actually take place, or if he's the kind of psychopath that just has illicit fantasies. Hmm. Neither the book nor the movie answers that question. And in interviews, the writer has said he never decided. So they could be flights of fan fantasy. Um, they made a direct sequel to the movie, though. They made American Psycho 2, which is like a right. throwaway movie that nobody cares about with Mia Kunis. Yeah. It was like I a, a one and that. done straight to video. Like, you know, when video rentals were popular, it was just like a horror movie sequel, you know, um, just kind of selling on the name. But in that version, the murders took place and Patrick Bateman was a killer because Mia Kunis's character like gets abducted by his character in that movie and then, then manages to kill him. And then she becomes the next psycho, whatever. So obviously major deviation from the source material, right? I mean, I would like an answer. If they do a new version of American Psycho, I want a clear, definite answer. I don't One know. Thing, I I think it's kind of cool that there isn't like the ambiguity. It's open. Yeah, I love the yeah, I love it being ambiguous. So it's like see after I don't know. Now I'm about to like try to give myself credit. I'm like, well, after watching thousands of movies, man, my <laughs> I've decided that I don't like ambiguity at all. Um, <laughs> He has a brother. There's another book called The Rules of Attraction, which also was made into a movie 
with James Vanderbeek playing the younger brother, Sean Bateman, who actually he calls his brother Patrick on the phone because like Patrick is helping pay for his college or, mm-hmm. or gives him money while he's in school or something. But the rules of attraction is really fascinating because the younger brother is obsessed with a classmate. And in his mind, their friendship is much bigger of a relationship than in reality it actually is. So when you watch the rules of attraction, it would suggest that a lot of it is going on inside the character's head. Which then, if you put that back to American Psycho, it would suggest that they're not, none of that is happening. That it is this, that they both have, you know, some kind of biological mental issue, right? Where they, where they blow things out of proportion or hallucinate the truth or schizophrenic or something. Um, but I guess I didn't answer the question whether or not I would want another American psycho. I was wondering if that's where you were heading with this. Because, <laughs> because that, like, I mean, it's just when you do something really well, like there doesn't really need in my opinion, to always be like a remake, you know, but I guess if you yeah. are kind of exploring. Kind I just think it's, the, I, I think, but, I think Lionsgate is like looking at their catalog going, what can we, what can we, sh- you know, shuffle out to make some money? Cause of the, cause of how popular true crime is as a genre right now. Right. So they're just like, what do we got? They're like, Oh, we have the really, psycho. Does that really appeal to like that, like I just I don't know I don't get the thing with remakes always so, or reboots or whatever you want to call it. So well, I don't know. I'm kind of on. on do the you fence. know about the? Do you know about Stephen King's um, novel, The Dead Zone, or have you seen the Christopher Walken Dead Zone? Or um, I don't think so. Mm-mm. They even had Anthony Michael Hall was like an actor in the '80s in like uh, Pretty in Pink and The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the? You've seen The Breakfast Club probably a while ago. Yeah, yeah. He plays the nerdy one. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, I should have turned the mic off for that one. Sorry, folks. <laughs> It'll surprise them. Wake them up while they're doing laundry while listening to it, this or whatever. Um, and they did a, a Dead Zone cable show, and so the cable show obviously could expand on like chapter for you know chapter for chapter of the novel, right? But mm-hmm. the movie's pretty good. So in the Dead Zone. Because the main character is technically dead for a long period of time, he's just suddenly like tapped in to the you know to the supernatural, like with an antenna, like he's just kind of plugged into those things, and he kind of like has like forethought now, so he can see things as they're about to happen with other people. And like one really cool part is they're tracking a serial killer in the town he's in because somebody's there's like a serial killer, a local serial killer, and like that's like one of the best parts of the whole movie. Um, and, and the book, it was pretty pretty scary in the book too because it wasn't like you know Stephen King usually has supernatural monsters but this was like a you know a regular killer stalking everybody and just a psychic you know the psychic could see it the book gets kind of crazy though because it has like a it talks about a president that's going to be like the antichrist or whatever like that's the big thing about the book is like the world is spiraling out of control and there's no way to peel it back because the character gets convinced that he has to like assassinate this guy who's going to get elected so then it gets truly nuts you know you know what i mean right he goes to try to kill the guy or whatever um so with the exception of that it's pretty interesting story so i would love to see like another like uh legit adaptation of the dead zone because i mean christopher walken um was the i saw this movie and i was like oh it's like he's like an anti-hero he's like a creepy 
main character, but you you care anyway. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. so, I th- that might have been the first movie that I saw him in. Actually, yeah. Um. So I, you know, has I was still in Jordan's catchphrase. I'm here for it. here for it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'd watch it. I'd watch another Dead Zone for sure. I I didn't really watch all. I haven't watched all the show. There's like four seasons or something, but um. And it came out. You remember when they were doing box sets for like every TV show? Yeah. Like there was like when DVD was at its peak greatness, and they're like, get season three through five. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Limited edition DVD box set. Um. Now the Crow reboot starring Bill Skarsgård is actually coming out much sooner than I thought. I didn't think it was coming out this year, but it might come out in June, twenty twenty four, which is kind of nuts. Um. What can I say about the Crow? So it's a story about this character named Eric Draven and he and his girlfriend get killed. He comes back from the dead to get revenge and he's kind of like a lost soul who helps other people when things go wrong. I guess he's kind of like an undead character. I'm not really sure. It's like, I think they're using, I don't know whose myth they're expanding on. I don't know if they're expanding. I can't remember if it's Norwegian myth or native American myth. It talks about the birds carrying your soul over between worlds or whatever and how like birds, Specifically, crows can communicate with the dead, or though like they're like messengers that carry the dead, or something like that. Um, but anyway, the crow is like an iconic '90s movie, and Brandon Lee is the son of Bruce Lee, who died during an accident on the movie when a prop gun killed him with real ammo during the they were shooting the big finale in the movie where there's a bunch of craziness going on. But um, it's a great movie. Brandon Lee was a pretty good actor. Like he's in this movie called um, Showdown in Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren. It was like an action buddy cop comedy, which is like one of my weird favorite B movies. And uh, I've there's like four Crow movies, but the only the first one is good. Well, actually, Crow, well, Crow City of Angels, which is like part two, is okay, and it takes place like ten years after the other one. There's an orphan that he helps in the first movie, and she's like the narrator in the second movie and she's like older, you know? Um, wow. I could ramble. I could, I need to like reel me in Jordan. If I get too far, if I go too, <laughs> I go too far. She's like, how? <laughs> um, this is your show. I just live in it. Okay. Uh, dang, dang. <laughs> I, I remember one comments in the comment section, somebody said like, look at the long suffering Jordan or like, look at how she's just trying to hold on and deal with this guy. Something like that. Like, okay. Uh, job. There's actually an actress that looks like Jordan, Millie Alcock, who was in, she's Australian, but she was in um, House of the Dragon playing Rhaenyra Targaryen, another eyebrow power lady. She got some good eyebrows on her, yeah. for sure. You guys look very similar. I don't know if you ever told Pat, like, hey, I look like I belong in House of the Dragon. I but should. I, what am I doing? What Trivia, Pat's her boy. We may, I don't know if we've brought him up on the show before. Maybe. I don't know. Things slip in and out of the recordings. I, I can't keep track anymore. Anyway, she's going to be Supergirl in a movie that's supposed to be called, or currently slated to be called, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, the original Supergirl movie from the 80s is pretty good. Helen Slater, and we talked about it, uh, I don't know, like nine episodes ago, ten episodes ago, twelve maybe? Who, who knows? All right. All right, anyway... I could spend a whole other episode talking about the original Supergirl. Obviously, we like it. It's in our blog. It's in an episode that we did. 
Well, we're finally going to arrive to the movie of the week. It's called Sightseers. There's this dude named Chris, and he wants to show his new girlfriend, Tina, his love for RV camping. I'm not sure. Anyway, but they're in the UK, so they call it caravan, if you take a caravan holiday. And according to IMDb, it takes a wrong turn. What's funny about the IMDb listing, it doesn't tell you that this movie is a thriller. It doesn't, in that description, you don't know that people are going to get killed. And I just wrote down, like, what would be the lifetime movie version of the week would be, like, murder takes a holiday would be, like, the tagline. Um, yeah. The perfect I have something tagline. to say about this movie, but uh, do you have some savage stats on this one? I do. I had to get a little creative with them oh, because okay. there was not a lot of actual, like, trivia or statistics about the movie. Um of course, the movie was directed by Ben Wheatley, but it was produced by Edgar Wright. And they kind of do like a little nod to Edgar Wright in the beginning of the movie. This tourist is eating a Cornetto, which is essentially like a croissant. And it's no, it's ice cream. Ice cream. No, I looked it up. No, it's ice cream. Cornetto. No, it up. no it's ice cream. I don't it's think like, so. Do you know the drumsticks that we have over here? It's like their version of drumsticks. Oh, when he's on the tram and the guy like throws yeah, the thing. That guy, the first victim. What well, I looked up what Cornetto means, and that is not what showed up. But if you're nodding to the drumstick, I know exactly what you're talking about in the movie. I yeah. also had a drumstick the other day here. Oh, um, but it is referring to the Cornetto trilogy. Right, going back to Edgar Wright as the executive producer, he also directed a bunch of movies, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. So if you like any of those, I think that you this you know falls into a category, of course, um, of something that you would probably like. But since that was the only like actual statistic, I looked elsewhere to find some interesting things or fun things. Um Early in the film, when Tina is her hair is being brushed by her mother, her mother's like obviously a little nutty, right? Tina is 34, 36, still living at home. Mom's brushing her hair. There is a cut to Tina with her mother visible behind her. And although you can hear her talking, the mother's mouth is shut. And out of sync or like out of sync audio or out of sync visuals are the trademark of the movie's director, Ben Wheatley, like his editing style. So I think that's kind of cool. He plays with time, right? So things don't happen is when you see them or vice versa. Right. And like they kind of do another nod later. Well, and I'm sure it was like probably either intentional or some sort of goof. It's like there's boots on Chris and then there's not and then there is and there's not. But What's your thoughts on voiceover in general? Like when you hear narration or people talking off screen like just what's your personal preference in movies do you have well, a feeling I, I think like context matters right because i think it's like funny in this case right if it's like a short section yeah. you know or if it's like a nod or like this is his signature it's a trademark right which i think that's kind of cool i like you know certain types of you know, productions that are supposed to have that na- like narration. So yeah. I don't know, movies yeah. that are narrated, maybe it's not always like maybe my top favorite, but um I love voiceover. I usually get in trouble in film school because I wrote so much voiceover. 
as like so a device, funny. as a storytelling device. They're like, you know, don't rely on it or whatever. And I'm like, nah, it's part of the intentional storytelling. <laughs> yeah. And I think like context matters, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, this film had received several award nominations um, for Outstanding Debut by British writer, uh, director, or producer for its writers and lead actors, Alice Lowe and Steve Oram. So did pretty well in terms of being recognized, which is awesome. But that's about it. That's all we got. Well, supposedly, um, if this blurb on all, all things Wikipedia is true, you never can tell with Wikipedia. You sure can. Um, that they were doing a staged version of this. Then there was a short film. And then um, the actress playing Tina, you just said her name is Allison Lowe or Allie Lowe? Alice, Alice Lowe. Alice Lowe. She was supposedly in Hot Fuzz and had mentioned to <laughs> Edgar Wright, hey, this this other story is floating out there. And then, he, as you said, he helped produce it or something. Um. There's a great line at the very beginning of the movie. Like, you're watching the movie for eight minutes. You're not sure where it's going. There's a lot of tension between the mom and daughter because she accidentally had killed the family dog. Yeah. And she literally says that, um, you know, mom, it was an accident. She goes, so were you. And then the music starts and then the titles come up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh, we're in for a ride. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's time for favorite bits. I was going to say, like, if you like taking rides and you love movies and you want to have a box of movies show up at your door, you can go to lovedagainmedia.com uh, forward slash binge. These are code binge for like 15% off. And I don't know if they're still doing the giveaway or not, but the page says they are, so they must be. Um, yeah, you get a whole box of DVD. We were mentioning DVDs earlier. So if you like physical media and it's like a Christmas present, shows up once a month at your house full of movies. You can dissect it. You can pick your genres, comedy, horror, whatever. This movie's a little bit of both comedy and horror. And now on with favorite bits from Sightseers. That was kind of a messy one. I just kind of shoved that one in there. It wasn't very natural at all, but I loved it. I'm, as we it's said earlier, I'm under the weather and I'm just kind of like saying things. He's in that Dayquil, Nyquil tornado <laughs> right now. We're along I'm for not, the ride. Well, I'm and I'm actually not medicated right now. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. It goes in stages, right? So I think like I should That's be full of in a you know a day or so. I think it should be gone. But this is like a three day adventure. Anyway. Oh, it's a joy. Um, uh, favorite bit. So yeah. I think some of my favorite bits had to do with um, Alice Lowe's character, um, Tina. I I think like just her relationship with everybody, like including her mother. And then, of course, her boyfriend, Chris, is just, it just cracks me up, you know. How about the knitted lingerie? So funny. She's got, like, crocheted <laughs> bra and, like, crotchless panties. And all she wants is to, like, be loved by this man who's, like, totally into his caravan holiday. And she just yeah. wants to spend time with him. And this is, like, kind of a classic story of like a girl and a guy and then the guy like the girl starts liking what the guy likes but he doesn't really want her like approval in a sense well, i don't know that's I mean, kind of how i but think they it. get they get jealous of everybody they encounter that's why i said it's like a crime of passion yeah like they encounter these other people they get jealous like uh 
Well, and for me, it's like he's got this hobby, which is killing people, right? And is she like starts getting into <laughs> his hobby. I thought, see, and I, thought, then, I thought his hobby was like he likes to go see like monuments or like historical places. And when the people interrupt his understanding of the historical events and places, <laughs> it interrupts the vibe. And so then he has to correct it. Uh yeah. That's, yeah, that's his hobby. And then so she starts liking his hobby and then he doesn't like, he doesn't want her approval. You know, he wants approval of other people. He's seeking approval from elsewhere. And so then when she likes his hobby, he thinks that she's a nutcase, right? For, for or, or like, you know, what did he call her? He's like, I don't know. She's just like, they're both so unhinged and it's hilarious to me. So it's just, it just cracks me up. Like, I love how she starts calling her dog, the dog that they steal, his name is Banjo. And then she starts becoming so unhinged that she's just referring like his name as Poppy, which is a dog that she accidentally <laughs> killed. Like that is such a funny concept to me of like now she's calling they upgrade their camper and they steal a dog and like they they don't like their own lives, so they adopt elements. So he's like the main character encounters a victim who says he's writing a book, and then all of a sudden the main character's like, Well, I'm writing a book. <laughs> you know? right. Uh you know what though? Spoiler alert, they use the landmarks, the landscape as the murder weapons, which is kind of like an interesting idea. I was trying to sit here and think like is there another movie that I can think of that uses the landscape as the murder weapon and I can't think of anything cuz I, I went back at the end of the movie I was like thinking back about all the with the exception of the accidental manslaughter which happens well no. There's one intentional manslaughter on the highway but then before that the first death in the movie Going back to the treat that Jordan was mentioning, because the guy was eating it on the tram and then littered, and the guy couldn't handle the fact that the other guy littered, and then he backs up into the guy, right? And they they get away with it as like manslaughter. Besides that one, every single death in the movie is at a like from the landscape, right. either being thrown off rocks, or rocks or with rocks, like uh, yeah, with rocks. He uses a rock as a weapon, but yeah, it's, yeah. it all can be kind of. Like if if you know they're coming to the crime scene, they could easily be accidents ruled out as accidents. Or yeah, something. it looks yeah. like accidents. Except you like you think you would start to see reports of like countryside murder. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or like well, and I you think know. it does evolve too. Like because you hear it in the background, right? Like the story is being reported on, and first it's like, oh, this guy was found. And then it's like, okay, it could have been an accident. And then they're like, okay, he probably did it himself and is ruled as, you know, that he did it himself because of the yeah. mounting pressure. And then I think as it gets along, then it's like, you know, a guy, like a, you know, a ginger guy and this girl are like responsible. And then they decide to like torch everything, let the dog run away and, you know, uh, call it quits. But yeah, it's a... Uh, a wild ride for sure their interaction was my favorite bit it's just because it's like she's so unhinged with her mother and him and then he's unhinged with like every person he inter interacts with right T like you mentioned taking yeah. his taking personality traits from every person he comes across i would say the most favorite part is when though tina gets the camera that chris stole from ian the like other hiker yeah. And then Tina's going through the old photos 
and then she sees she sees pictures of Ian's wife on there, and yeah. Tina immediately assumes that Chris, instead of stealing and killing Ian, that it's his camera. That and, it was yeah. his camera and that he had an affair with Janice and Ian. That was hilarious. That was so good. Although it's implied that he hooked up with the guy who was trying to invent the mini caravan or like the the bicycle the bike caravan, caravan. The pull along caravan because like it cuts to he he was like i forget what separated them like she drove away angry or went back to the camper and he was working with the guy to try to start a business with his little mini caravan biker cabin thing and bicycle attache or whatever which looks like the thing if you have babies where they put you in a canopy and you pull along your bicycle like in real life they have that if you have like little kids yeah, this little They're like thing little that bike yeah. yeah. Um, but then, because at one point, Chris is rushing to an outdoor shower, and then he doesn't want to have sex with Tina later, and then he feels guilty, and then he's actually inviting that dude. I, I don't remember the bicycle person's name, who seems eccentric, little flamboyant, and then he's like, he. The Chris character Martin says he doesn't mind Martin. if they're if he oh Martin he doesn't mind if his friend Martin gets invited into their sex life later you know what I mean like and then uh, and then he's in his little bicycle canopy and she pushes him off the cliff spoiler alert um but the end is sh- the most shocking thing to me is like the twist at the end and I don't know I mean you tell me do you want to spoil it or do you want to leave it, it off the table I okay think should spoil it so apparently. This whole time, it's it's kind of suggests that Chris was planning to kill himself after his killing spree. He was gonna kill himself with his girlfriend to be like he, you know, he was he had a little notebook, or whatever. So his fantasy was to go out after he visited his, all these landmarks. So that's what that's what his road trip was about, like visiting all these last things he wants like to the see. Last yeah. yeah. And uh, and so they climb this giant bridge or something, and then they're gonna jump off, and he jumps, and she doesn't jump. And I'm like, whoa. So, like, it's like a final twist because you kind of go along with the fact that, like, again, I go back to that idea where they frame, like, uh, you know, couple murderers as, like, kind of a passion murderers. Because, like, in, in real life, too, like, if they get jealous of other people, that's, like, a victim. But uh, there's, like, a famous, like, highway couple I'm getting confused with another movie, but like how they operate when like when they're like together in this uh, like couple killers. But but the thing is, that's the shocking part. It's like she doesn't go along with it. So then it kind of reframes like the whole movie. Like what was she? What like? Yeah, because that part makes you want to go back and like think about the whole movie that got you there. Because why did she decide at the last second? not to go off the bridge with him, you know? Well, and I think she kind of says it when she's on the phone with her mom and she's like, she, you know, she's kind of innocent. Oh, she's like her or, mom. or, or like a true, like, or like a true, um, passion killer. She's angry that she didn't, the one place she wanted to go to, he didn't go with her. Do you know what I mean? Like she went to the pencil museum and that's the only thing that she contributed uh, for the whole trip that she wanted to see. And he doesn't go. <laughs> And spends time with that guy Martin instead. And uh it's also another funny bit when she's like trying to write a note to him with the massive the giant pencil. pencil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, so, so good. wait, so why do you think she doesn't jump off with him? Well, she kind of says it on the phone with her mom. She goes, like, 
she she essentially is talking about how she like wants to come home and her mom being kind of the nutter that she is, is now like she's getting the satisfaction that her daughter needs her it's and miserable. her mom's not giving yeah. it to her. Yeah. She's miserable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so what she, what she's saying to her mom is like, I like I did stuff and her mom's like trying to poke at it a little bit. Yeah. And she's like, is yeah. it sex stuff or is it something else? She's like, yeah. And something else. And she's like, I just did what I thought he wanted me to do. You know, like I'm just yeah. I'm doing what he thought, you know, I thought he wanted me to do essentially to be liked by him, you know. So, so she was just taking on the, I mean, this is like kind of ha- happens in like in toxic dating or whatever, like when somebody takes on the traits of the other person or whatever. Right. Man. So I think she just kind of lets him have it there at the end, you know. She's probably sick of him after he like turned her over to Martin. He wanted to be more in a relationship with Martin than her. Yeah. So she sent Martin on his way. Send- I mean, he also kind of like, I mean, he kind of cheated on her. I mean, he made out with uh, the there was a, bride, a bachelorette Brian. party and he made out yeah. with the bachelorette, right? And then that's like her first murder, right? Where she throws her off the bridge at that location. <laughs> like again, exactly. lots of bridges, guys. Bridges over over rocky pathways. Um, uh, where does it rank? Yeah, where does it rank? So I'll let Jordan describe how we rank things on this show. Yes, we love our ratings here. Um, so there's binge now, which means add it to the top of your list. Don't stop. Just put it on there and watch it tonight. You got binge later, which is added to the list, but you know, you'll get around to it eventually. You got yeah. some other things to get through first, and you've got binge never, which means you wasted some time. I even stand corrected because we said a bench never the other day that I stand behind. But bench never is you can't get your time back. Don't watch it. And those are the ratings. Um, but for me, this was a bench now. I actually thought it was really hilarious. Yeah. I loved the dry humor. I just thought it was like really well curated between like the dry humor, like them being a little unhinged and kind of awkward and quirky. And it just worked really well. So it was funny and really dark. You know, all at the same time. And I think that's a really hard balance to have to ride that line between humor and it being scary, you know? Yeah. So that's how I'd rate it. How about you? It was a binge later for me and remains a binge later for me. (laughs) Like it was something that I had known about and had planned to get around to, but just never got around to it. And then we got Mm -hmm. around to it. So that's it. It's just a binge later for me. Um, It's worth watching. But it's not the movie that I'm most, uh, you know, excited to see or salivating over, or it doesn't really get my blood lust up, you know, for this type of movie. Um, fan service. What are the fans doing? Are they chiming in? This one's kind of funny. Doink Daddy on TikTok said, "My mom used to save the skins from the potatoes and peeled them and baked them in the oven until crispy. They were mm. so good." I love. Potatoes. He's replying to our thrifty love street smart episode where Jordan was talking about. Fried chicken skins as a snack mm. of choice. And then yeah, we were talking about skins. Yeah. Yeah, skins. We envisioned a whole food truck of just specialized skins. So he if you haven't it. heard that one, go back and check that one out. We were talking about the Street Smart movie and talking about lots of fried skins. <laughs> anyway. Mm. But I could have sworn that Doink Daddy had changed his name. Like when I read that comment a few days ago, I thought it said Donut Daddy, like Dunkin' Daddy, like Dunkin' Donuts, mm. implying he was somewhere on the East Coast and tuned in. And uh, 
Then he changes to Doink Daddy, which is clearly like, I don't know, sounds like a gay club reference. Doink Daddy, you know? Yeah. But, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Thanks for commenting, whatever. Doink Daddy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, who knows what he's doinking? I don't yeah. know. I don't know why I said it was gay. Who knows? Um, that's what it sounds like, though. Like, like, like a a Cub and Bear OnlyFans account or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All lifestyles are acceptable. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying, you know. Anyway, um, if you watched anything else that's not the movie of the week that you want to recommend to the audience, have you watched anything else? We watched 1408, which was pretty good for its time, I would say. I was shocked. Wait, no, is got... this a Christopher Columbus movie? No, it's a, it's, it's a movie about like a like a haunted well, hotel that's 1492, room. which is like, was a historical drama, but would not just be considered fantasy because of the, all the myths about Christopher Columbus that have come out in the last 10 years. Let me pull it up. Fourteen. Sorry, fourteen oh eight is the one where the author. It's yeah. another Stephen King movie. the The book writer yeah. who investigates haunted places, like haunted hotels, gets stuck in a hotel room, right? Yeah, yeah. and it and just kind of um, is very. John, what's his name? John Cusack. Yep, and you got um, Samuel L. Jackson in there as well as like the hotel manager. So or ghost. Is he? Well, I didn't think about or that, Satan. but probably could be a ghost. The gateway ghost. Um, because that movie also implies that he's stuck in the hotel and has always been in the hotel, right? Like he was. Yeah, but they. Dead it's, for a I while. don't know if the hotel is haunted. More of just the room is what they tried to. At least that's what I took away from it. So. Okay, it's been a while since I saw it, but what's implied to me is they were kind of ripping off of the other hotel story that Stephen King is famous for. What the hell is it called? They made a movie. Stanley Kubrick made a movie. Jack Nicholson's in it. Oh, The Shining. I'm like, I'm gonna if I fuck this up, people are gonna be so angry with me. Anyway, so uh, and The Shining implies that the character, the writer character in there, was always there, or it's like a endless loop where he's reincarnated and gets cursed and is stuck in the hotel over and over again. Well, and like uh, you nailed it. There's a lot of Shining this, references, and yeah. this does kind of have like an endless loop. Essentially, you can't it's ever possible, get out of the hotel room. Yeah, it's possible that the John Cusack character, from my perspective was the victim in that room like 30 or 40 years before. Like the hotel is real. The place is real. But he's already dead and he's just there. Like there's that crazy movie where um, Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't realize that he's in a mental institution. He yeah, thinks he's investigating a case because he was a Shutter federal Island. agent. Yeah, Shutter yeah. Island. So in real life, before he had a nervous breakdown, he was a federal agent. And then his the way his mind has broken he thinks he's investigating a case at a facility yeah the big spoiler on that one is no dude you're a patient here you've been a patient here for 10 years or whatever so this movie that you're talking about that's what it is it's like a ghost that doesn't realize he's been the ghost the whole time uh kind of thing maybe i can't really remember how it ends even though i just watched it like two days ago and so it's like possible there's a cliffhanger like that that just makes him feel like he's just back in the room. But yeah, it was good. It was worth a watch. We we had to do some sort of subscription to peep it, but yeah, watch that. That was good. What about you? 
Um, no, I was just sitting here thinking if I had to clarify my Doink Daddy comments. Doink Daddy, like turn up. Turn up for Doink Daddy, you know? <laughs> okay, here's how my ego works. I don't care who you are. If you hit on me, I'm going to love it. So I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I said earlier if it came off like a hate <laughs> message or something. So I was like, oh, I need to clarify what I said because it could be misread and taken out of context because it is a podcast, right? Which is funny because Shane Ellis told a joke that they said it was offensive to Asian people and they canceled him from joining the SNL cast. And, and then, then they he just, just, had host, he just hosted Saturday Night Live <laughs> uh, to, to like, you know, capitalize or or have the show like make money off of the fact of the controversy. However, the band, the band did not laugh at any of his stand-up jokes in the beginning of the episode. 21 Savage. It was almost like, dude, it was almost like, well, I didn't, I didn't actually... I don't know who he is, so I fast. I use fast forward. I didn't watch any of his musical performances. Why did he? Did he also give Shane Gillis the cold shoulder? There was said? some sort of like initial comment in the monologue that Shane Gillis made like a funny joke thing. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I didn't watch the monologue. I didn't. I didn't I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. I could. I'll watch it and I'll give you some some feedback. But I just think that's freaking oh, dude. hilarious. His, his jokes were killing it in the monologue, but he Shane Gillis in real time acknowledged that his jokes weren't hitting with the crowd or the band like he was addressing the fact that like well i thought that was really funny i'm surprised nobody (laughs) and uh sounds like shane gillis so yeah yeah and um and it was almost like the band intentionally didn't laugh like they made it a point to like protest his presence resting what i really thought was like this long game that lorne michaels might be playing from a political standpoint where he's like Okay, there's no way I don't know Lauren Michaels. There's no way for me to know, but it would be interesting. Could you imagine like bringing somebody on your show just to publicly crucify them? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but Shane Gillis wins at the end of the day because he makes makes way more money than anybody on SNL. So it's like through his. So it's like why would that that joke wouldn't land? So what's interesting about Saturday Night Live? It doesn't have a central figure. Like, like it doesn't have like a Will Ferrell. Or a Molly Shannon, or like a Chris Farley, or an Adam Sandler. Like the last few seasons, they haven't had anything that draws everybody together. They had these three guys that, like, two of them were related to people that worked on the crew. Like, one was the son of a writer, and one was the son of a cameraman. Please don't destroy. They're these kids that make these video sketches. Mm-hmm. They just made a movie for NBC Peacock, which is the parent company of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. The movie bombed. They have not been on Saturday Night Live with their video sketches for like the last three or four episodes. And there's been like no official announcement of like where their sketches at. Do you remember when Lonely Island made like the little videos on Saturday Night Live? Like all um, the like, uh, like music Dick videos. In a box. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Dick yeah. in a Box. Um, and um, that's Adam. What's his name? And his friends. I can't remember. But they also made a Jack Amber. Sparrow pirate song with Michael uh, Bolton. Incredible. Like yeah, I like that one with Akon. I I don't know. On, I think is that, that the was on like, a boat? Like we're on a boat? Is that, that no, one? it's the I just had sex, but I think that could have been like an official music video, like uh, not an SNL related skit. Another one is though. um the boss one. Like there's one where he's like, "I'm the boss," or uh, the other one. There's another one, uh, "Marry a Dude." That one's pretty good. Um, there's one where they poop their pants or something. Like they're gonna hit the town, but they poop themselves. Like again, it's lonely island comedy. You yeah, you gotta to take it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, hilarious. What was the point? Oh, it's weird that those guys aren't making videos on there all of a sudden. 
it's also weird like I mean that that's what that show needs. Like if you don't have like three or four cast members that are like really gelling with all their characters, you know, like coming yeah. together like Chris Farley and uh David Spade like in these little duos, that's right. hard to keep the central cast connected. Um I'm trying to think who's been the funniest on there in recent memory. I don't know. I'm kind of tuned out from it. Uh dang. I missed my chance earlier in the episode. I was going to make a Pedro Pascal joke because you were talking about how like I'm kind of out of it because of cold medicine. I was going to say like Pedro was out of it at that award show I was talking about because he said he got on the stage. He's like, I'm a little drunk. I wasn't expecting to win an award. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I love that. He's just such a vibe though. Like he is. I just literally laughed my headphones off. What did you say? I said, I love that though. He's such a vibe. <laughs> Oh, Pedro Pascal? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, dang. Yeah. Doing good stuff. If Daddy um, Doink is an is a noun, wait, or an adjective, maybe I guess that's how you would, you know, you could, that could be the name of somebody, right? Like Pedro Pascal. Well, it sounds sexual, right? Yeah. It sounds Doink like Daddy. doinking is a sex He's thing. A, or like, is- like. Pedro Pascal's called a zaddy all the time. Like he'd be called a doink daddy. So yeah. 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 Anyways, that's it. Did you watch anything other than your award shows? In my dreams about Antarctica. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Secret military conspiracy bases. Uh, I watched lots of things, but they're kind of all running together. Yeah. Because, uh, it's the weird thing about being the weekend I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, time is not real. Okay, here's the thing, man. Like, um, having indigenous blood, like I'm happy that an indigenous actor is getting like all all recognized. Like, um, her name is Lily Gladstone. She's in the Killers of the Flower Moon story, which is kind of nuts. Like, I guess like the Osage were a tribe that was doing kind of well because they had like an oil boom on their land, mm-hmm. and then slowly, like, slowly. Like um, people took it away from them. There was then there was like a series of murders where like forty people died, and there was like no investigation until they lobbied the federal government to come in with like the early FBI and figure out like why are people's houses getting blown up and like what's going on, who's killing the tribe for their oil money or whatever. And so the movie—I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it's like the one with mm-hmm. it's uh, Scorsese and he has like De Niro in it, of course, and um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Because at the center of a story is a husband and wife, like. The wife is a Osage community member who's like a community tribal leader, one of the well well off to do families, central figure. And it's like her sisters are being killed. Do you know what I mean? Like her sisters yeah. and cousins are being killed. And and then her husband's like at the crux of like he's one of the guys doing all the shit. Oh wow. And there's like an actual trial. So it's like, you know, pretty intense. Um, but uh and the and the crazy part is like with re- how crazy relationships are like they were in love right almost right till the end i guess right up until the trial or whatever but then like one of their kids still talked to the dad when he was like locked up afterwards you know what i mean yeah but it's like anyway so she's winning awards like she won the sag award she might win an oscar her high school yearbook says most likely to win an oscar which is kind of crazy and she seems like a really good shit like she deserves to have more acting roles like she's really good the movie very bloated way too long like why don't you have an editor martin scorsese is like 
again, one of these directors like Ridley Scott, who's like starting to believe the stories they tell about them as filmmakers. And so they're no longer making critical decisions with their movies. Like Scorsese, like your remake of The Departed was awesome. Goodfellas, fucking overrated, dude. Like, you know what I mean? But now with Killers of the Flower Moon at three and a half hours, four hours, whatever the hell it is on Apple TV, like you have 90 minutes of story. And then like in the third act to wrap up, you know how like in, in true true story movies, they always give like little like, oh, then this character went on to open a business. Uh, this character went on to do this, like this character, blah, blah, blah. They kind of do that, but it's like a radio play. Like if there was a 1940s news radio program and that probably happened, like they were, you know, retelling the news of the day and acting mm -hmm. it out on radio. So Martin Scorsese himself comes out as one of the radio performers and is telling you what happened to the characters during this radio play. And I'm like, well, this made the movie 25 minutes longer than it had to be just the radio play part of it. Like. Yeah. Too long. Yeah. Too, way too, too long, long, dude. Way too damn long. And, and like, <laughs> And even though I'm praising her performance, like at one point the movie like leaves her character while the character is sick for an exuberant amount of time. Like the whole time the investigation with the FBI is happening, she, it's like she's left sick in bed and then we're gone for like a half hour. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm like, what the hell, dude? She's like the main character. Anyway, man, I don't know. I, I don't get it sometimes. Like I love that they're honoring Pedro Pascal. I love that they're honoring Lily Glad Gladstone because, like I said, she seems like a good person, and and she's a fairly decent actor from the one thing I've seen her in. But you know, it's like the Goodfellas thing. I've been waiting to use. I've had that loaded in my criticism gun, and I haven't had a place to throw it out. But now, having sat through this super bloated movie, I just thought I would kick it out. Um, Jordan's reaction. I don't know if you're watching it, but clearly, she's like, oh, she. She knows that I just rolled over like 30,000 fanboys in their graves because they're going to be super mad because, you know, Goodfellas is on like what American Film Institute's top 100 list or it's on like every fanboys or every like machismo average American male, you know. I'm still with you, you know? though. I think there can still be a too long, too long and still be a good movie. You know, it's just like that's the time. Yeah, I can't wait for the comment on this podcast. This 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 thing that you're doing is too long. Yeah, so like, this podcast was 54 minutes too long. <laughs> as soon as you said that about Goodfellas, I tuned you out. Yeah. Uh, too I was there for Doink Daddy. I was I there for, for Knitted Bikinis. But, left. but then, <laughs> left for yeah. Goodfellas. As soon as I said, as soon as you said the Goodfellas wasn't good enough, that there were no Goodfellas, man, dang, dog. Yeah. Dead. Whatever. <laughs> I like Copland with Ray Liotta. If you want to like watch Ray Liotta as a strung out drug addict, I think he does a better job in Copland than in Goodfellas. The whole thing about Goodfellas is he rolls over on the other mobsters and testifies against them because he gets strung out, then he gets arrested, and then he testifies. That's the whole deal. Um. Anyway. 